There are these small moments that we each experience in our lives that send a shockwave throughout the rest of our lives and change things forever. It might be that first glance you shared with your future spouse. It could also have been the first time you had an allergic reaction or the first time you cracked open a certain book or a series or the first time you throw out your back. First time you have ice cream. First time you spot a gray hair. Or perhaps one night you were up late at night and the infomercials were on and then two to three weeks later you get a brand new set of steak knives arriving at your door and your life has changed forever. Or the more modern version, maybe like me, you're up late at night with a sick daisy and so you're on and you go on YouTube and you just say, uh, how to whittle and your life changes forever. <laughs> you become a whittler. <laughs> Woodcarver is the more respectable term. Today, Kyle and Ethan had one such moment, their profession of faith. Next week, on Easter Sunday, baby Brooke will be baptized, and that will be one of those moments. These moments that are marked moments in time that reverberate throughout the rest of our lives and inform how we live. We're in week two of our series, our Easter series, called Through the Darkness. Today we're looking at four of the earth-shaking moments of Holy Week that ripple throughout all of history and meet us here and now and impacts our very lives. The very first earth-shaking moment happened quite a few, a couple, uh, couple thousand years ago on Palm Sunday. Let's hear the words again, this time brought to us from the Gospel of Mark from Mark 11, 7 through 10. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. It was Sunday of the week of the great Passover festival that was about to begin. It was the Sunday before Good Friday where Jesus went to the cross. So Jews were coming to Jerusalem from all over the Roman world during this week-long celebration of Passover to remember the great exodus from Egypt, how God had saved them. Many in the crowds had heard of or seen Jesus, and they were hoping he would come to the temple. And here it is, the moment they've been waiting for. His disciples had wondered if Jesus and when Jesus was going to make a public stand and finally proclaim that he is indeed the true Messiah, the King of Kings, indeed Hosanna, which is a cry, a praise cry of save us, because Jesus is the one who saves. And the people here are bearing witness 
to the fulfillment of prophecy of their king's grand entrance from Zechariah 9.9. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See your king. Your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And so his entry is indeed triumphant as the crowds rejoice. The king enters, but not on a war stallion, on a humble colt. And as each step of that animal creates a tremor on the ground, the masses add to the reverberations as they swarm and shout Hosanna and wave the palms and lay down their coats. The one who saves is here. He enters peacefully on a common animal surrounded by the common man and woman and child. His fanfare is not the decadence of trumpets and drums and a war parade such as the other uh, parade that had happened that day, but instead of simple fronds and coats, truly the most common items to be found in abundance. It was a parade of peace and of hope and of love. For everywhere Jesus went, every single step of his ministry and life sent a shockwave of his love and his hope and his peace. Jesus Christ is the single most earth-shaking, world-changing person to ever live. For he is the one who saves. He is the source of all love, hope, and peace. He is the Savior of the world. And on that triumphant entry, though the people would soon turn on him, in that moment, the one who saves was rightly celebrated. The people were captured and captivated by his shockwave of love, hope, and peace. Have you been captured and captivated as well? How do you see God's goodness reverberating from that time all the way to now in your life? For his mercy is never without end. Yes, it is indeed new each and every morning, and it is sufficient for us. His goodness never fades. His love for you is full and complete. So, where do you see and feel the good vibrations of our good king? Because they are present in your life. And not just that. We must hold on to that gift. We must hold on to his goodness. Because for less than a week later, the crowds who shouted Hosanna now turn their voice to shout, crucify him. And this is a stark warning for each and every one of us. For we cannot remove ourselves from this crowd. Sure, we may never say or even think we believe those words about our Savior whom we love, But how many times do we turn our backs on God? How often do we praise him one day and ignore him the next? Or our words and our desires do not align with our thoughts and our actions? See, the shockwave of these crowds reminds us of how fickle we can be. And it reminds us to ground ourselves once again in Christ. 
and to guard ourselves in Christ, not giving in to the sinful desires of our lives. You don't have to live long to know the truth that we are all prone to wander. We're all prone to go astray. We are prone to do as everyone else is doing. The crowds yelled, crucify him. The soldiers beat him. The Pharisees mocked him and spat on him. Pilate dismissed him. The disciples abandoned him. The thief on the cross next to him belittled him, even as he was suffering. And it brings us to our second earth-shaking moment of Holy Week, the earthquake. Passage we're going to read, we're going to skip over two verses. The reason we're skipping over them is we're going to save them for our second rendition of our sermon series, Wait, What? Because when you read those two verses, you will go, wait, what? We're not going to read them for the purposes of today's message, but sign of something to come in the future. Hear about this shockwave event from Matthew 27, verse 50. When Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. Now at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. This earthquake was not some grand coincidence nor did the gospel writers make it up to make this seem more dramatic. We have scientific proof of an earthquake actually occurring the time they believed Jesus to have died. The earthquake is another cosmic sign of the creation of God crying out at the death of Jesus. It is also a physical display of the power of God, the presence of God, and the anger of God. Almighty God, who is all-powerful, who spoke the earth into being just with his words, he absolutely can shake the earth at his will. All who were guarding Jesus were terrified at God's display of power. And just as he makes his presence known all the way back on Mount Sinai, at the giving of the Ten Commandments, when he shakes the whole mountain, he here reveals his presence and the shaking of the ground. The guards here exclaimed, Surely Jesus was the Son of God, for they could no longer deny God's presence. And God causing the earth to quake. We see elsewhere in the Bible that it symbolizes God's anger. God's wrath. Look at Psalm 18, verse 7. The earth trembled and quaked, and the foundations of the mountain shook. They trembled. Why? Because he was angry. Jeremiah 10, 10. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God, the eternal king. When he is angry, the earth trembles. The nations cannot endure his wrath. 
some folks have a distorted view of God. They think that love is his only characteristic and that, and that his only response to our sin is to be sad. While it is certainly true that God loves us, and it is also true that sin breaks God's great heart, it is also true that sin stirs God's wrath. And here at the cross, he is angry. But the most amazing thing, most amazing thing about God's anger, his anger is not for those putting Jesus on the cross. It's not for those insulting him. It's not for those who yelled crucified him. It's not for the disciples for abandoning him. Or it's not for us for when we go astray and we add to the sin that is on Jesus' shoulders. This is the amazing truth. As Psalm 103 tells us, God does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. No, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. He does not treat you as your sin deserves. Is he angry? Oh, yes but not at you. His anger is directed at the sin that separates us, the sin that compels us, the sin that corrupts and ruins his good creation, the sin that made the cross necessary, this sin that he defeats and he buries in the very ground that trembles with his anger. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. And if you doubt that to be true, consider Jesus' very words as he hangs upon the cross, as he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. The earth quakes as God channels all his anger at the sin of the world that rests on his beloved son's shoulders, the sin that we put there. But he does not treat us as our sin deserves, but he absolutely has dealt with sin as it deserves. And it has met the wrath of God, and it no longer holds any power over us. Do you believe your sins have been forgiven? Do you believe that God's love is so great that he became sin for you? Do you live with a righteous anger toward the evil one and the sins of the world? Because if God is angry at sin, we are angry too. Because there is brokenness in this world because of the choice of sin, the choice that all of us make. And we can get mad at each other, and we do get mad at each other, but we must remember that we battle not against flesh and blood, but against the powers of darkness. So do not give the enemy a foothold, but rather stand firmly on the name of Jesus against the sin that has already been defeated. 
For our weapon is love, forgiveness, and mercy, and the truth. That's what God used to defeat the evil one, so that's what we will use as well. The power of darkness trembles in the presence of Jesus. Think of his life and ministry. Anytime he encountered a person who was possessed by a demon, they were terrified in the presence of Jesus because the light of the world casts out the darkness. Because Jesus has already claimed the victory. The third earth-shaking moment of Holy Week It's that moment the stone was rolled away. That Jesus was not inside, for he had risen. He is alive. Sin and death have no claim on him. He is indeed the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who saves. His life changed everything. His death changed everything. And his victory over death is the reason we are here today. We stand as people of God, riding the shockwave of Easter as Easter people. We can proclaim today, Hosanna, save us, God, because we know that God does save. He is worthy of all our praise. He is our peace. He is our hope. He is our joy. He is our life. And that is why our final earth-shaking moment of the ongoing week of Holy Week here, it's the power of our testimony. Look at the centurion. Surely he is the Son of God. Consider the angel at the tomb. He's not here. He's risen. Think of Mary and the other woman's testimony. The tomb is empty. Jesus is alive. Think today of Kyle and Ethan. Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. Think of what it says in Revelation 12, where it says, They triumphed over him, the evil one, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. The critical blow to Satan came when the Lamb, Jesus Christ, shed his blood for our sins. The victory is won by sacrifice, by Christ's death in our place to pay the penalty for our sin and the sacrifices that we make because of our faith in him. See, as we face the battle with Satan, we should not fear. We also should not try and escape it, but we should loyally serve Christ who alone brings the victory. So we will tell others of what he has done. We will tell others of who he is because he has given us this life. He has given us a word to speak. He he calls us to speak the name of Jesus. And when we do that, the light shines through the darkness. The earth trembles for he has overcome. When we proclaim that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. The darkness is pushed back and God's kingdom breaks through. The Holy Spirit will use you and your testimony 
for it is a weapon against the defeated one. And it is a shining beacon of Christ's victorious light. And when we speak to what Jesus has done in and for us, we are simply adding our voice to the ongoing, never-stopping testimony of the hymn of heaven that proclaims day after day, night after night, as the angels keep singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord, God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. That's our Savior. That's the one who saves. He's the one who has saved us. He's the one who's seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty who will return again to judge the living and the dead. We will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Praise God for who he is and what he's done in our lives. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for those earth-shaking moments from all those years ago and how we stand still riding the shockwave of what you have done. That before you made a way, there was no way. But because of your great love, you paid the price for us so that we may live in eternity in relationship with you. And that we don't have to wait till heaven to do so, God, but we get to experience your salvation here and now on this side of heaven. So God, we again together profess the truth that you are holy, that you are alone the one who saves. We add our voice to the angels, to Kyle and Ethan, and to all who profess you as Lord and Savior, that that's who you are. We think, too, God, of our fickleness, our ability to just choose sin over you. And so, God, we pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that even now you encourage us back to your path, that you deal with us gently and graciously as your word promises, and that today we're inspired once more by how good you are to go out and do what you have called us to do. God, we long to be beacons of your light that shines through the darkness. We praise your name. We thank you. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.